Collectors Club. Big Harry Summer. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. Oh, boys, Big Harry Summer is roaring right through the yeah, middle of July. We're almost halfway through this thing. I can't believe it. Um, I want to remind everybody to not forget to pick up their official Big Harry Monster, or excuse me, Big Harry Summer Tea from the <laughs> BCC Merch Shop. Right now, head over to store.bigfootcollectorsclub.com to order yours today. That's right. We're kicking things off with a commercial, okay? Um, <laughs> debuted that on the on the live stream a few weeks ago, and uh, we're very excited about it, so don't, don't miss out. But listen. I'm 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 bo- I'm just rolling right through because I don't want to waste a second of show today. Uh, we have a fantastic guest who definitely knows their way around high strangeness as well as true crime from the podcast Up and Vanished and High Strange. Please welcome director, documentary filmmaker, and podcast host Payne Lindsay. Woo! Hello, Payne. Welcome. What's up, man? Welcome to the virtual clubhouse. Do you? What is Big Harry Summer? I don't know if I'm into that. What is that? Good question. <laughs> Great question. You're all, part of it now. All yeah. summer long, we <laughs> are we are sharing stories about Big Harry monsters, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Dogman over here on the regular feed. I'll and say something on... way different. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not supposed to be an entendre, so I, a double entendre. I don't know why people are getting weirded out. I bought this shirt for sure. Yeah. No, 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 guys. <laughs> why would anyone think that? Payne, um, on this show, we uh, we sit around, we kind of tell these stories of high strangeness as if we're all around a virtual campfire and share these stories. But but on High Strange, you actually go out and speak to some of the people who have experienced this stuff. Like you have a whole episode about Travis Walton where you Ooh. actually talk to Travis Walton. I did. And that's what I wanted to do is go talk to the real people who've experienced this stuff and have these wild claims and just hear from the horse's mouth like what they experience. And I think mm-hmm. that that's just a more powerful way to to receive a story. It's a little different when you, you when you can sit there and kind of analyze the way that someone's saying something and their emotional responses to, to things. And that was the only route I was you know going to take when it came to telling ufo stories on a bigger platform right and going into it and this i guess is segueing a little bit into your personal paranormal history but going into it how much of a skeptic were you starting off and where are you after a full season of the podcast i would say i wasn't like a full-blown skeptic in the beginning i was i was curious and i always thought it'd be you know it was a fun idea like what if right like Mm-hmm. You know, truly, the universe is so big that we're not the only ones. That was kind of my line of thinking. But once I started digging into all these different cases, I quickly realized, wow, this is actually a lot deeper than I kind of imagined beforehand. And I felt like, oh, here, here we go. I'm, I'm, 
I'm falling down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I'm crazy like everyone else is. Um, but but no, really, it was uh, pretty eye-opening that there were all these, just like going back in history and looking at some of the biggest cases from a long time ago, when you can go look up a particular uh, a particular day and know exactly what was happening, where technology was, and you know how you could get a photograph or video of something. Those cases had a, like were very strong to me mm. because it was like way before it was easy to fake anything. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of opened my mind up like, well, okay, well, you know, surely it's not all untrue, but what is true and what isn't and, and what does it mean? And where do we go from here? Where are those moments for you when you go, okay, this is just stepped into the realm of credibility for me? I think sitting down with Travis Walton and seeing how sincere he was and telling his story of being abducted and missing for five days and being aboard this spacecraft, you know, I had no doubt at all in my mind that clearly whatever happened, Travis Walton believes that's what happened to him. And it's, it's so bizarre and so weird that it's almost like if it was untrue, if, if that didn't happen, then that would almost be weirder than it actually happening. <laughs> right. Because there's yeah, no yeah. Good explanation for what happened, right? Because either way, all these people saw this spacecraft and where the hell was he for five days? Was right. he just hiding in the woods, pulling a prank? That's a, I mean, that's a big commit. If you're going to do yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, what's the long game? Right. What's the long yeah, what game in that one? Game? I don't think he got rich out of this, you know? So no. um, that to me was just compelling. Just like approaching it from that angle. Like, okay, well, what did happen here? It's easy to say that sounds crazy because it does. But yeah. did it actually happen? I don't know. It hasn't been disproven. Mm-hmm. So I think those cases like that really – just kind of hit me on the head and was like, wow, like, you know, I've, I've met this guy. I've talked to him. It was like, he was reliving trauma. He wasn't like foaming at the mouth to tell me this. He kind of didn't want to relive it. He kind of didn't want to tell the story again. Hmm. And that was, I guess, just so interesting to me. And it, it lended more credence to, you know, his story and that he was probably telling the truth. Yeah. Payne, let me ask you, like, so I I think for a lot of people, I I know for us personally, kind of getting into this idea of, of, of high strangeness. And and I I love the name of your show, high strange, you start to, and and you said it yourself, you go down this rabbit hole of, okay, well, maybe there's just two camps to this thing. These are maybe they're extraterrestrials from another galaxy, or, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, uh, hoax and, 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 and whatnot. How, how far has this, has this field opened up into different explanations? And in, in other words, um, you know, what are you starting to make after all this research? Are you, how far down this rabbit hole have you gone and, and, and how much is it opening up to you in, in, in terms of the unexplained? Yeah. I think that the just basic binary, uh, smaller minded approach to this whole topic is that it's just, we're here on Earth and there are aliens, you know, one species from some faraway planet. And mm. that it, I think that's the most untrue version of events here. I think that it's likely probably a combination of all these things. I think that, you know, the universe is so vast that it would be preposterous if somewhere so far away there wasn't, you know, another planet that got lucky like we did. 
and could sustain life and has been around for a lot longer. That seems like almost like a no-brainer to me at this point. Right. Um, I think the dimensional part of it is kind of a, also a mandatory piece to this because if you can travel from places so far away that we can't see them with our most advanced telescope technology, then clearly you're doing you're using a different method than we're used to using here on Earth. It's not some sure. combustible engine situation. Yeah, um, There's some sort of space-time component. I don't know how it all works. Clearly, we don't <laughs> either yet. Um, not, you know what? As the people who love this Lord, it's not our jobs to figure that out. You know, mm. like, someone will figure it out eventually, right? I, I think that the dimensional part of this is probably real. I, I think all these things can kind of coexist, too. Mm-hmm. Um I think the world is, or the universe is probably far more massive than we even thought before. And we already knew it was pretty damn big. But if you start to factor in that there could be like multiple layers to, you know, like, uh, I don't know, a simultaneous universe on top of this one and that one, mm-hmm. how infinite could it possibly be? And, and I feel like, <clears throat> I think science will eventually explain everything. And I, I bet you that there is, if we, you know, had a crystal ball, we knew it all right now, it would probably start to explain stuff like ghosts and stuff like like apparitions and stuff like that. Maybe it's more of like a, you know, getting a glimpse from the other side. Maybe that other side is like some imprint in time. And it's like, maybe it all starts to make sense now. And right. if you if you understood that, then maybe you could travel with that method too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Am I sounding crazy yet? No, no, no. That, no this is all <laughs> the all. stuff that we really well, yeah, talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, like cross through those that dimensions tracks. to get to this spot. I mean, yeah, and at that point, who's to say, like, maybe what we consider the afterlife or the other side is just a realm in that dimensional plane where our energy and consciousness goes after we die. And just like we drop right. into this one, we then drop into that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And are maybe able to look back on this one in a way that we can't look into that one. You know, who who knows? Because there definitely seems to be, and as we'll get into even with today's story perhaps a little bit, the same stuff applies to a lot of these cryptid stories and Bigfoot stories where, you know, Bigfoot will behave like a ghost or behave like an alien in many cases where there will actually be lights and UFOs seen in and around moments of quote-unquote Bigfoot activity. Mm-hmm. So, I think the more we've gotten, I kind of think what was underneath Bryce's question is the stuff does all seem to get weirder and, and the explanation broader as you go along, you know, it's very strange. It is strange. What was your personal paranormal history? Have you ever had anything that, that uh, you couldn't explain that happened to you? When I was in sixth grade, it's the one time I ever had a, I guess uh, like a UFO experience. Uh, I was out there in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, actually where I went for part of the High Strange series, um, near this UFO watchtower out there. Uh, the Sand Dunes uh, National Park out there, mm-hmm. um, middle of nowhere. I was um, like sleeping in my tent with my cousin, and that night I was like, I used to film stuff all the time back then. And I had this little VHS camera that my grandpa gave me, and I saw all these weird lights kind of on the horizon right above the sand dunes. And I, I'd arrived there at night, so I didn't really have a good gauge for how far it was or how big this mountain was. And in my head, I thought it was kind of way further and way bigger. 
And so I kind of rationalized the lights I was seeing as people with flashlights or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're on the ridge, but mm-hmm. they were doing weird stuff. And I would, I was zooming on the zooming in on the lights and I, you know, I couldn't make them out, but they seemed big and were moving kind of erratically. Then the next morning when I woke up, I kind of had a, a better uh, viewpoint or just, I guess, perception of the lay of the land here. And I was like, holy shit, there's no way that was dudes with flashlights. <laughs> and it's way closer than I thought it was. You could just go walk up there. And what the hell was that? Like, wh- wh- what kind of lights were floating around on the ridge, kind of low and very bright? And I mean, it just so happens that it's a, like a UFO hotspot. So I think whatever it was, was some sort of anomaly. It wasn't a, you know, easily explained. It was a UFO. <laughs> I, I don't know. Or UFOs. Um, was it aliens? I don't know. I hope so. But um, I, I may never know, I guess. I love the, also to the kid rationale of like, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of people up there with flashlights. <laughs> like that would also to go back to your point. That would also be a weird explanation. What were a bunch of people <laughs> yeah, doing up great. on the, yeah, on the ridge <laughs> with flashlights <laughs> dancing and trying to get your attention? Yeah, I was like, that's kind of weird, too, though. Yeah, exactly. After hours. Yeah. Were there any adults around with you that like experienced that with you at the time? It was just my cousin, and she was always kind of a little bit more into this kind of stuff than I was. I was, you know, a little bit more skeptic. Not really. I wanted to believe everything. And she was like, oh, yeah, those are UFOs. And I was like trying to think of the rational way of explaining it. And then when I woke up, I was like, well, I think you're right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I, I quickly just walked back my internal explanation because it didn't make any sense. Um mm. And to this day, I've never seen anything like that. I sure hope I do again, though. And, you know, when you when you say they were doing you able to. Oh, I was going to say, do you had your VHS camera? Were you able to record any of it or man? I I so lost those tapes. I Uh, I, I, uh... they they may exist somewhere, actually. Now that I think about it, they could be my parents house. Um, I should go dig around and find it because I definitely filmed it for a long time. And oh, wow. hopefully it's not a big nothing burger. And I'm like, <laughs> we're watching yeah. like the most epic UFO footage ever. Right. right. Like, I mean, yeah. You'll never know. Like um, on the VHS, you can actually see like the shape of the mothership, like spinning. Right. Yeah. Like before, super yeah. detailed. You can like, oh, wait a minute. There's actually aliens coming in and out of this thing. <laughs> I could be sitting on a gold mine. I have no idea. So if I do find it, I will definitely update you. Hopefully it's not underwhelming. We understand there's been there's a special tape in the the history of this show called Club Bryce uh, on uh, celebrity homes different Bryce in his twenties legendary tape that we can't seem to find even when we find it it's still still blank yeah Um, I found it I brought it over to your to your there's nothing on that tape there's nothing on that tape nothing on that such a such a mystery man I don't get that well yeah. When uh, you saw when you were saying they were doing like weird stuff, like what what were the lights? Sorry to get real microcosmic yeah, yeah. about this, but we tend to geek out in the details. What were the lights doing? Moving erratically, like you know, from like A to B, sharp turn kind of thing. Um, like not like a plane or a helicopter moves. This is pre-drone. Um right. so like just kind of zipping around 
all willy-nilly, like just doing whatever it wanted to do, where it almost seems like a firefly floating around or something, where it's like a bug, but mm. a really big one that's just kind of, you know, moving at will um, across the horizon, um, which would be tremendous speeds and kind of just, you know, going from A to B and just kind of cool. looking like it could do whatever it wanted to do, right? Payne, following up on uh, Up and Vanish, like what what made you want to make the jump from true crime into this sort of like high strangeness world? Like what 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 really drew you in there? I mean, I've always been a, a fan of suspenseful storytelling and just, you know, a good mystery. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been doing true crime stories for a while now. And there's a lot that comes with that, right? There's a lot of, um, you know, difficult parts of doing stories like that right. um, from, you know, dealing with, you know, real victims, families and law enforcement and a lot of implications that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I kind of always thought in the back of my head that one of the biggest unsolved mysteries is what the hell is going on with these UFOs? And in the last five years, there's been so many powerful stories in mainstream media that have kind of tilted the scales a little bit. And I guess it's almost, it kind of reemerged in a way that felt like, hey, maybe that shit wasn't that crazy after all. Maybe there's something going on here. And right. that was exciting to me. But I realized that there was also tons of people around me who were like, yeah, right. And I'm like, really? There's still people out there who are just so like staunchly like against this. Right. Um, so I just kind of, I got excited about the idea of making a podcast that would be for a mainstream audience who may be on the fence, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to gear it towards people like us because that's not, that's just servicing an audience who already wants to believe. Right. But right. You know, could my grandma listen to this and be like, well, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to do was just take this topic and tell the story down the middle as much as I could and give it like a, almost like a true crime investigative approach to it. And still filled with all the fun trappings of a true crime podcast and, you know, cliffhangers and investigative turns and that kind of thing, make it fun. And, uh, I realized that I could have actually a lot more fun with this because there was no serious implications here really, other than, uh, if it's all true, how much that changes for the world. But I knew I wasn't (laughs) going to like, you know, solve it. Right. Um, But I think that maybe what I, what I could do and what I hope to have done is, open people's eyes a little bit, uh, you know, to the idea that we don't know everything, everything. Uh, yet. Absolutely. And yeah. That's all that really matters. That's all you can do. Cause I don't know it all either. Right. We talk about that idea a lot, just about sort of like, as the conversation becomes normalized, it's the paranormal sort of this Trojan horse to just question your own mind and reality and, and the the world as it's presented to you. And it, it, it does bring about this sort of like sense of wonder and, um, yeah, just like excitement and, and openness to to the world and the universe that you know. Yeah, it's it's not over yet. We didn't figure it all out yet. There's still more to explore, and maybe it's the really good stuff. You know, it's always so <laughs> fascinating to me when I talk to someone who's skeptical. It's like, nah, that's not true. You can't, you know, you just can't travel that far in space. It's like, well, we we, can, we, yeah. we can't. <laughs> We can't today, you know what I mean? But, you know, 70 years ago, you couldn't even, like, launch a rocket into space. So, you know, we're like, 
we're remember, we can't remember iPhones like what the hell like that was yeah. even <laughs> yeah we can't measure these things against where we're at right now we have to think so far it's like where's your science fiction thinking cap we have to think yeah. so far beyond where we are now to to come up again not to solve it but to open our minds to like this is possible. It's just not possible for us yet. Well, look how far we went in 69 years from uh, from horse and stagecoach to landing on the moon. I mean, you know, we yeah, seem to wild. be technology seems to move at this unprecedented pace. Uh, Terrence McKenna would often like talk about how technology is just folding in and doubling in on itself, uh, reaching to this point of crescendo, you know, that. Uh, mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, we're actually and we're actually really on the precipice of how fast everything is moving. And uh, we're living in wild times, if, if you think about it. But, uh, yeah, who knows how who, how far another civilization could get in, in, in millions of years. You know, it's unprecedented. Probably impressively far. And appear to behave to someone like us as interdimensional entities or ghosts or, you know what I mean? Because it's <laughs> yeah. we always hear the the old adage of like, if we went back and showed someone our iPhone 300 years ago, they think we were a wizard. You know, it's that sort of right. thing. Like right. we would be any future version of us would seem supernatural. Sure. Yeah. I love those Regardless. videos where like somebody like points back to like an old video like if you look closely that lady is carrying an iPhone. This picture object. was yeah. taken in eighteen eighty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did look a lot like an iPhone though. <laughs> yeah, like, can, okay, what are we saying here? Can you get to the bottom of these time travelers to keep showing up in our old timey movies? And what were they going wrong though? The guys who claimed that they were from a different time, they're like on this day, and this shit never happens. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Man. Like once that day comes, you're like, okay, he was lying. But you thought for a second, changed, maybe this is the real one this time. He changed our timeline, Payne. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's always it's a right good there. You're, it's just the answer's right there. Hey, you said it yourself. This this UFO topic has seemed to sort of. Um, I don't know. It, it is it is taking steps more into the mainstream, and it and and you know what that sort of taboo nature of it has i think been dispelled a little bit uh and we're so grateful for that do you think do you think that taboo nature of the bigfoot subject will sort of get that same treatment uh where do you where do you sort of stand and sit on on the uh the cryptid phenomena i think that if with the ufo topic i guess loosening up in terms of the stigma i think that just eventually slowly opens the door for other topics too. I think the mm. UFO one is the easiest to digest for a lay mm. person because there is, there are things in the sky that we don't know and they don't have to be alien every time. Right. right. But, but there's literally stuff in the sky that could pose a threat or could be some sort of like international issue with you know the military. So I think that because of the urgency of that topic, it's going to get the most attention, but then it starts to, if we get to a point where we kind of have a, a common knowledge of, I guess, spacecraft from other places or dimensions or planets, whatever, and there being other beings out there, then who's to say that it doesn't go beyond that? And I mean, the fact of the matter, matter is, is that there's tons of stories out there too, like when it comes to cryptids. Where you're like, what the hell did that person see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, right. what was that thing? And, you know, I'm sure a lot of them can be explained, but so can a lot of the UFO stories. But if you whittle it down and you get down to that 5% or less, 
you're like, what the hell actually is this? Yeah, and you I think get that, you get yeah. people like Travis Walton where you're like, okay, they they believed yeah. they experienced this, right? And that's that's interesting no matter what I think because if it's all untrue, so I've told myself too about UFOs, which I don't think we're they were way past that now. Yeah. But in the event it was all just untrue, it's even weirder to me that it's strengthening at this mm. point in time. Mm-hmm. How is it not going away at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, how is it? How have we not poked the hole in it so big? We're like, see, it was all fake. Right. It, it shouldn't be strengthening and becoming more valid. Yeah. And yeah. more rock solid. That's going the opposite way. It's had a lot of time <laughs> to, I guess, be dispelled. Yeah. But it's done the opposite and it stood the test of time. Are we just that curious? We want it to be real or is it just fucking real? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, have there been moments in doing producing episodes and looking into stories where you had an aha moment, almost like you would in a true crime? You're like, holy shit, we might have just stumbled onto something that nobody's thought of yet. Can Were there any moments where you were like, you know, holy shit, this gets me really excited about what might come next? Mm-hmm. The Betty and Barney Hill case was one that uh, I had a few moments in. And it's really because if you zoom out and look at when it happened, I think it was 1961, yeah. um, you know, a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really find any stories that, I guess, match match their descriptions um, from that time period or before. There was like the idea of flying saucers was around. But it was mm-hmm. still very new, but there was like no one had ever come forth with a claim like that where they saw something in the sky that made no noise. Uh, they had time loss and mm-hmm. all these like all these different components the to their beeping story and the, the beeping on the cars they drove yeah. like weird. The stuff that always freaks me out is like when he's when Barney's looking up and he can see the entities marching around and he's like, yes. it reminded me of German soldiers, like those tiny little weird details that still make the hand stare up on my, uh, on my, or the hair stand up on my arms, you know? Well, it's like, to me, it was like either, you know, he made this up or thinks this happened. And then everyone else from that point forward in history, in the future <laughs> drew from this, from, for their experiences where right. they, experienced time loss and there was this craft that made no noise that stood still in the sky where do those ideas come from right Right. and this is like the furthest i could trace it back to was this and i'm like maybe they just actually experienced that yeah like it's either way it's an anomaly whether it's true or not and i think that once you start like being able to analyze it like that it starts to give more credence to it being true have you um, looked into the uh, Betty Andreessen case yet? Which one's that one? This one is 1969, I believe. So it's it's eight years after. There's some similarities to the case. It's another alien gray case, but they come into her home with her uh, father and her children all in the house. Oh, wow. It's a wild story. What's and it's the name it, of it? I'm going to look it up after it's this. It's the Betty Andreessen case. It was... Um, it's one she talked to Bud Hopkins about. Okay, um, yeah. But the Andreas familiar. and R- Raymond E. Fowler actually was the guy who wrote the book on it. Um, I think she. Con- I, I. I'm going to correct myself. It wasn't Hopkins. It was Raymond Fowler. But okay. the the book is the Andreasen affair, and I think a lot of the witnesses are still living. 
it is it's for if it's like for graduates of the Betty and Barney Hill abduction read (laughs) that it's a wild case and really really weird stuff so it might be worth digging into that's that's one where like well and it just opens up a larger world of high strangeness too because the details just get shenanigan fun at at some point just like okay (laughs) we're out of just the standard uh, abduction motif we're on to some way crazy shit here now yeah it's next level. It. It's next level. So you've already been through the initiation, and now you need to like okay, look yeah. into some of <laughs> other I'm stuff. I'm yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot Collectors Club is brought to you by Manscaped. Cannonballs! <laughs> oh, hey, Uncle D. Uncle Dicky. Hey. Uncle Dicky. This isn't a public pool. Why are you shouting that? Because Bryce's weird friend. This is summer. It's not about the size of those cannonballs. It's about making a splash with our friends at Manscaped. And that's good news for you, Tiny Mike. Okay. I really don't appreciate that nickname. Look, you can prep for barbecue season by making sure your grill master has the hottest dogs the summer's ever seen. When you're at the cookout, let the meat speak for itself with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. It's time to get ready and not sweaty by going to manscaped.com and using code BCC for 20% off and free shipping. Riley, I really feel like you're picking up on some of Uncle Dickie's swagger here, and I'm feeling like I'm being teamed <laughs> hey. up on. But I do want to say, this is usually the part of the ad where I tell an embarrassing anecdote about cutting myself while shaving my balls. <laughs> That's not the only thing you should be embarrassed by. Anybody missing an inchworm? Uh, there's nobody here but us, Uncle D. Okay, look, just ignore it, please, Riley. Our club scouts understand what I'm saying. Using a regular old razor for manscaping is bad news, okay? The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to guarantee you'll have the most mouth-watering treats at the party, huh? Hey! I love that. They have built the ultimate bundle for your summer grooming. I'm not a fan of the way you say mouth-watering. Mouth-watering. I don't mind it. Their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Let me put on my readers here. Get ready for some stats. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn a 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shape. That's right. <clears throat> Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? That's right, boys. Beach, pool, shower, mini pool. This razor will devour even the strongest pubes. And now that you can feel safe wearing low-cut swimsuit without any stragglers peeking out, use Manscaped's liquid formulations. Basically, the ball freshness version of cracking open a cold one. Boy, you guys are still wearing swimsuits, huh? (laughs) Not at the beaches I go to. Now that's a sight. They've got Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, keeping you cool from sunrise to sunset with a soothing aloe vera formula. It's the best in the business for below-the-waist freshness. Yeah, aloe vera has many wonderful uses. You might be surprised. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code BCC at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code BCC. Manscaped, the perfect way to get your patty sizzling hot this summer. All right, well, we're going to play a game that we play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. And if you had, if you're on the fence, you got to come down on one side of the fence. 
We're, we're forcing you to make a decision here. Uh, okay. Rapid fire style. If you're open to it, you're going to say believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. It's a very binary game for, <laughs> for a podcast that likes to pride itself on being pretty non-binary. But here we go. Uh, this is a game we call Bullshit or Believe It. And I should warn you, this is the big, hairy summer edition. So this has sort of been tweaked for the summer event. Here we go. Payne Lindsay, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. UFOs. Believe it. Mothman. Bullshit. It'd be fun, though. Dogman. Bullshit. Bat Squatch. Actually, wait, I take that back. I believe the book. I believe the dog man. All right. That's squatch. I had a story that a guy. Yeah. We'll keep going. Okay. We'll yeah. come we'll, back. We'll, we'll come back. back. We'll come back. <laughs> we can loop back to any of these and discuss further. Bat squatch. Uh, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Harry alien UFO knots. I'm, I, I want to believe that. So yes. <laughs> the, the beast of Gavadon. Big I don't wolf know about that one. I don't know the that is. 1700s terrified a couple of villages in France, a giant wolf. I believe it. Goatman. Bullshit. Momo, the Bigfoot of Missouri. Bullshit. The Yowie, the Bigfoot of Australia. Bullshit. A lot of these are just Bigfoots, by the way. The Jersey <laughs> yeah, Devil. Throw the one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Mm. Believe it. Mystery big cats. People see a lot of big, like cats that should not be where they are roaming around like, the wilds of like, America. Like dimensional cats or like lions? Like lion sized cats. But like they're not lions, though. But, but not, not lions. lions. Or, I mean, sure, I believe that. Sasquatch, just another name for Bigfoot. <laughs> Uh, I believe Sasquatch, just not Bigfoot. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Bigfoot bodies were recovered after the eruption of Mount St. Helens. Uh, is that true? For you to decide. <laughs> Bigfoot creatures have penetrated the subterranean infrastructure of Edwards Air Force Base. Wait, what happened? There is a story at Edwards Air Force Base uh, okay. where people reported, people who were, went off you know on background talked about how they saw bigfoot type creatures around the base all the time and sometimes they'd find them roaming around the underground caverns of the caverns of the base weird uh bullshit though you Payne Lindsay, could outsmart a werewolf i could uh yeah i believe that for sure interdimensional sasquatch <laughs> okay <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it. I believe it because to me, at this point, there's no way he's that good at playing hide and seek, guys. Right. He's gonna be going somewhere we can't get to. He's gotta yeah. have an escape for him for sure. That well, what's he eating out there? Um, yeah, <laughs> telepathic Sasquatch. Is he? Is he like a like a psychic or like is mm -hmm. he? He can communicate with you through brain power. Absolutely not. Bullshit. Invisible Sasquatch. He can cloak like the Predator. So like he's just there, but you don't know he's there. But yeah. There. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sure, I believe that. That's fine. 
Payne, you know what? You laugh <laughs> now. You laugh now, but season four of High Strange, you're going to be coming back to well, us being like, right. you're going to be like, guys, Bigfoot looks blurry in every photo because he is blurry. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Finally, in our original timeline... <laughs> The famous Bear family's last name was spelled Berenstein, not Berenstain. Um, I, f- I forgot which one was true on this one. Um, that's true. I believe that, right? Well, that's the, yeah, the 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 one that we all remember. That isn't the case. Is Berenstein? It was. It actually is Berenstain. Mandela effect yeah. thing. Super yeah. weird. Yeah. Why do we all remember it that way? Like it, it, that's odd. I don't that's know. what they want us to remember. Pain. <laughs> or maybe they the, don't. The weird one though is the the mirror mirror on the wall. I don't know that one. What's that one? I, I, have, to, I have to look it up because it, the the wrong one's burned into my brain. Mirror mirror. Who's the fairest of them all? Or? That's not what they say. Oh, uh, that's and that's the thing, right? Okay, so what do you think it is? Uh, mirror, mirror mirror on, on the wall. wall. Who's, the, Who's fairest the fairest of them all? Of them all. It's magic mirror on the wall. No. Uh, Who's the fairest uh, one of all? Magic like, mirror. Not magic mirror. Yeah, not. Wow. And I, I looked it up. It, it's they, it's magic mirror. Huh. But everyone remembers mirror mirror, and it's well, like a quote now. Like just even mirror mirror is. That's like the Luke, I am your father, which is never actually said in Empire Strikes Back, but everybody. What are you talking about? Way. Of course, he says that. What do you? No, he says. He, he says no. I am your father. He never says the line, Luke, I am your father. Uh, People quote it that way. Right. No, that's true. Okay. That's you know, just short. I think we have really. collect. I think we have shitty collective memory is really what's happening. Yeah, it's probably yeah. just that really. We're just, yeah. So let's hear real quick. The dog man story. Okay. So I have a podcast called radio rental, which is basically a collection of real scary stories from, the people who experienced them. So there's a lot of stuff that uh, some of the stories enter the realm of cryptids. And, you know, I've always kind of been more on the fence with those kinds of stories, but I, I met a guy who told me a story that of this dog man, and it was so bizarre and creepy to me. And he really, he believed it. And the short version of it is, is that one time he was like 10 years old, him and his uh, brother, saw this dog man creature in his backyard and it was like like crawling by the fence like it was like injured or maimed and it was making this loud grump like growling sound and it was clearly like a half dog half man and like he went inside to get his parents and he came back out and didn't see it again and then he saw it like a second time and then a third time later in life And his husband saw it with him the third time. Mm -hmm. And so he started um, like having these dreams and started thinking about like, for whatever reason, his like aunt had this old telephone booth in their uh, house. And it was like from from, like the early 1900s or something. And he used to always go and play in there. And somehow he started like, like, I guess, stringing these thoughts together like that maybe the dog man was related to this and he couldn't really figure out what his line of thinking there was. And so he called his mom 
and he said, "Hey, this is gonna sound like a very weird question, but it, you know, it's random. But I, I want your honest answer." He's like, "Remember that old phone booth that you know my aunt had?" She's like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "What? What would I do in there?" And she goes, "Oh, you used to always go in there. You've been there for hours, and you'd come out saying that you were playing with the puppy people." Whoa! And I was like, whoa! The and he sent me pictures of the the old telephone booth and it looks really weird and creepy. He doesn't know what he saw, but like he's convinced it's some interdimensional thing. Yeah. And that maybe, I don't know when he was in there, he was seeing stuff. I'll send you guys the story. Um, That's wild. It's it's bizarre. And I, I believe this guy, I don't know what the hell it means, but I think he's telling the truth. You see, Payne, this is this is for me where high strangeness gets really interesting because when you start to look at the the subjects of these experiences, these encounters, often when you when you when you dig a little deeper into it, you find that it's not just a one-off experience. Travis Walton, perfect example. He's still experiencing phenomena to this day, and he experienced it before his abduction, even the Betty and Barney Hill case, Betty has gone on record to say that when she was young, she used to experience prophetic dreams and she's experienced all types of different phenomena, not just alien abduction. So it's almost like this is sort of like, uh, sort of like a, 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 a genetic disease or something, if you will, that seems to inhabit itself and, and latch on to somebody throughout their lifetime or even their family's lifetime. And sometimes it can, you know, transform or transmogrify into an abduction experience or, or a dogman encounter or, or you name it. Uh, but it's always, it, 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 it's one of these things that it, it fascinates me because it's not just like, oh, it's not just this one thing that happened in, in snow, snowfall, Arizona, where you were picked up by a UFO. You've been experiencing this stuff your whole life. It sounds like. So to me, that's when you get into like, okay, you know, what part do we play in this? Is this something deep embedded within our within our psyche, our collective psyche? Are mm-hmm. are we are we the progenitors of these experiences? Like, you know, and that's when you really start to slip and fall down into the rabbit hole because you're going, well, what the <laughs> fuck is really going on here? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's deep. I think some people have more of a sixth sense, like they can see stuff that isn't always physically there in the moment or just more susceptible to, uh, you know, noticing these kinds of things or being an experiencer. And yeah. it seems like that's, it was a common thread with that. Or there's like some sort of mental illness. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sometimes it might be that, but right. times that it's definitely not, then I think there's, they're able to see, you know, through a small open door somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's almost like they become a conductor or an antenna for these right, strange exactly. phenomena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a case that might be one of those things. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything here at the Bigfoot Collectors Club, it's that there's always a catch. Yeah, so when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought... What's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, 
delicious savings directly to you. Listen, guys, gals, 15 bucks a month. That's all I need to hear. I'm so excited to get started on this plan and explore Mint Mobile. I love the philosophy of cutting out the physical retail space to provide better service and lower costs directly to the consumer. That is so very cool. Right. So for anyone who hates their phone bill, which is everyone, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. What if there's one person who's like, I love my mobile bill. What are you talking about? I love my bill. Find me that person. (laughs) Yeah, no one loves their mobile bill. 15 bucks a month, that saves us so much money. That is awesome. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. You don't need to have a ton of people in your house. And all plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Boom. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash bcc. That's mintmobile.com slash bcc. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash bcc. All right, well, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Let's jump right into it with our guest, Payne Lindsay. Chicago, the Windy City, or should that be the Hairy City? While this Midwestern metropolis is best known for its culinary delights and iconic sports teams, it's also been host to some surprising cryptid sightings, most notably a flap of Mothman activity that took place in the mid to late 2010s. Well, our quadded-out flying furry menace isn't the only monster that's been spotted in the Chicago area. It turns out Bigfoot has made a few appearances as well. Mm. The most notable of which was recorded, well, in my humble opinion anyway, was recorded by the late, great Linda S. Godfrey in her book, Monsters Among Us. Payne, are you familiar with Linda Godfrey's work? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Well, I have some books to email you. Uh, Please, yeah. <laughs> we got you on interdimensional Sasquatch. We're going to bring you around. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. send you the reading material. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> Linda was great. She started off as like a cartoonist for a local uh, Wisconsin newspaper, became a reporter, and then she started to investigate these stories about a creature that she coined the Beast of Bray Road, which was a dogman case that was happening oh, cool. around the farms of Wisconsin in the late 80s and early 90s. And she went from like you like well what's this about no one wants to cover it because it seems too crazy to wait a minute something is actually going on here and we don't know what it is oh wow that's awesome so top a deep dish in the oven or sit back and bite into some hot beef it's time for bigfoot in chicago baby It turns out that when it comes to Bigfoot sightings across the U.S., Illinois is deemed to be a state where those sightings are considered most credible uh, by the Bigfoot Research Organization. According to a WGN article from August of 2022, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, founded by Matt Moneymaker in the mid-90s, includes 500 people who review reported Sasquatch sightings throughout North America. Moneymaker said the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization has received nearly 75,000 reports of Bigfoot sightings over the years, but only considers between 5,000 and 6,000 of those to be credible. That's still pretty fun. Fucking high, as far as I'm concerned. 
A lot is based on the strength of the actual sighting, said Moneymaker, who also hosted Finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet. He explained that the BFRO's investigators favor reports from adult eyewitnesses and even folks who were skeptical of Sasquatches before their sighting, rather than, say, an amateur Bigfoot hunter who goes out with the intention of spotting one, which makes sense. Now, Illinois is also ranked fifth in the top 10 states with the most Bigfoot sightings, which I actually was surprised by. Um, anybody want to take a stab at what the uh, the top four are? Bryce. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, you got Washington has got to be number one. Bing, bing, Maybe bing. Followed by either California or Oregon. California, baby. Ding, okay. ding, ding. Oregon, Oregon number three. Nope. Nope. Oregon no. oh. is number six. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. Below Ohio. Illinois. Oh, I don't know. A little geography quiz for you. Yeah, now, yeah you, just, you just stumped me on the like, Illinois. Uh, Texas? I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, number three. Number three you could get, Bryce. It's one of your all-time favorites. Ohio. Well, no, Ohio's number four, so very good. Okay, okay. Now, there's one state. Uh, it's been in the news a lot lately. And there's one... Uh a Bigfoot there that we we've all come to know and love on this podcast. And oftentimes you've found yourself promoting much to uh, a failing degree. Is any of this oh, ringing? The Florida skunk ape. That's there right. Florida go. is number <laughs> three yeah. on this no, list. I guess they like the, the weather. I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. that swamp ape down there. Yeah. Yeah. So the incident I primarily want to focus on this week, mostly because it's just a great story, was brought to us by Linda S. Godfrey, who spoke with the eyewitness over 40 years after the encounter. No, there weren't any other eyewitnesses, and no, there's no physical evidence, and yeah, it was a while ago, but I trust Godfrey's gut check on this one, and hey, there's no way of knowing if any of this stuff is real, so let's just appreciate this case for what it is, a great tale of high strangeness the eyewitness who godfrey refers to as john turner in this case wished to remain anonymous since he didn't really talk about the incident for most of his life when he finally reported it in 2015 turner was a retired state and federal worker who received a degree in biology from northwestern university so if his story were fake it doesn't seem likely that he'd really have anything to gain by finally talking anonymously about it except to perhaps achieve a little bit of a peace of mind. As he told Godfrey, When I retired, I started reflecting on my life, and this came back to my mind. I wasn't drinking or taking drugs, and I know I wouldn't have run from nothing. I never dreamed that there was any kind of creature like that until I saw one myself. So, what did Turner run from? It all happened in 1967 in Schiller Park, Chicago, just east of O'Hare Airport, which was also a host to a mass UFO sighting in 2006, oh, yeah. which I'm sure you're familiar with, Payne. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, our listeners can check out BCC 140 with special guest Carl Tart for more on that. It was just before dawn when John Turner, only 19 years old, was out riding his bike through the nature trails. Turner rested on a log on the west bank of the river to rest and soak up the bucolic scenery. And when he began to hear strange whistling sounds, like an exotic bird he'd never heard before. He then walked his Schwinn 10 speeder further down the bank to scope out a good spot to watch the sunrise. He stopped along a section of the river where he could see an orange glow coming through the trees across the water. 
I was just sitting there, imagining how the area must have looked when the Native Americans would paddle down the river, when I saw what first looked like a shadow of a figure. It was big and tall, with a cone-shaped head, but man-like, and it was coming out of the woods where I saw the glow. I walked erect with its head. Wait, it, it wait walked Johnny. I, I, wasn't, <laughs> I Johnny. want to clarify Hold on. that Watching I wasn't erect. I, mean, I, don't, I get turned on by a lot of things, but not that. It walked erect with its heads up. <laughs> Wait, heads? It had two? John. John. It had one. Head. Wait, hold on. Let me recall. I this guy. Just Whoever the one head. head. Thank <laughs> He's you, He's very Payne. incredible. Thank you, Payne Lindsay. Yeah, no, just the one head. Yep. Okay, great. What Turner saw was a six and a half foot tall dark being covered head to toe in fur with a dark gray leathery face. Turner watched for about two minutes as the creature crept towards the water's edge and dipped its hand in to sip from its palm. Turner noticed how the being took a big finger and swished it around in the river, perhaps hunting for fish or crawdads. Now Turner, who had situated himself to a small patch of ragweed, started to feel a little tickle rise in his throat. Despite his best efforts, he let out a small cough, and the creature (laughs) suddenly sat up and looked around, suddenly aware that it wasn't alone. Turner swiftly, quietly rolled his bike to a more secluded location nearby, and when he peered across to the spot where the creature had been, much to his horror, it was now gone. To his surprise, Turner turned to see that the hairy hominid was now standing down the path on his side of the river where he had just been, soaking wet from silently swimming across the river. It was scanning the area, looking for him. This monster started hefting big heavy stones, flat stones, and tossing them into nearby trees with what Turner described as with pinpoint accuracy. From this angle, the young man could see how the wet, matted fur parted against the creature's big, strong legs, exposing dark, brownish skin beneath the fur. The hair on its head was now slicked back, exposing ears that were big and human-like, but a little bit more pointed. As it turned and craned its head, Turner noticed what looked to be a reflective mirror-like glaze across each eyeball. The 19-year-old also noticed that the creature seemed to struggle to focus in the morning sunlight, blinking about as if it was trying to clear its vision. Most hilariously, Turner once again let a little cough slip through his lungs, and this time, the creature spotted him. He made a quick bluff charge. He then picked up three smaller rocks that were just lying there on the ground somewhere and threw them like fastballs by by a baseball pitcher. Two of the rocks hit their target. One bounced off Turner's bicycle tire, and the other grazed Turner's forearm forearm as he blocked a blow to the head. Turner hopped on his bike and began to flee. The creature let forth two howls that reminded the boy of an air raid siren. Then, more howls echoed out of the tree line across the river, answering the call, where Turner said he he turned to see more shadowy figures standing, calling after their fellow entity in the tree line. Turner made a break for the parking lot as the creature gave chase, making a guttural, chatting, chattering sound that Turner told Godfrey sounded like his own language. Turner edged closer to the parking area with the creature hot on his heels. He made a desperate cry to the powers that be to save his life. Oh, Jesus. Oh, help me. Help. Help. Ah! And, and suddenly, the creature was gone, as if it vanished into thin air. 
Likely, it had less to do with divine intervention and more to do with the fact that Turner had just made it within a few yards of the parking lot. But Godfrey noted, as I'm sure many of our longtime listeners are doing so right now in pain, this takes us back to the Bullshit or Believe It list, that this isn't the first account we've heard of where a Bigfoot-like creature seemingly vanishes into thin air. Another peculiarity that Turner recalled was how the forest went absolutely still and silent when this being emerged from the woods. This eerie silence accompanying a moment of high strangeness is a phenomenon that Godfrey calls the Oz factor. Now, before we write off this account as just a one-off, it is interesting to note that this all took place in an area of Chicago where not only one major UFO incident later took place, but strange lights have been reported uh, being seen over the years. Maybe the Schiller Park Nature Reserve is some type of portal to another realm. Whatever the creature was, it wouldn't be the last time a big hairy monster was spotted in the Chicago area. Earlier this year, on January 22nd, in Custer Park, Illinois, just southwest of Chicago, a grandfather was with two of his grandsons when they spotted a Bigfoot-type creature standing in a ditch near a cornfield. According to the BRFO report, the family had spotted the creature in and around the property three times since 2015, and the howls they heard were much like those John Turner experienced, and wood knocks have also been heard late at night in the area. So it seems like when it comes to high strangeness, even our major cities and their environs aren't out of reach from some of our most intrepid big hairy monsters. There's nowhere to run, Club Scouts. It's best to just embrace the high strangeness. And that is the quick story of Bigfoot in Chicago. Pain. What the hell was that? I mean, it's a pretty compelling story. I'll, I'll tell you that. It's, I don't know what his motivation would be to make this up. I think he no. probably saw something. And if this, this reporter you're talking about, this, this woman was as good as she she is at this job. I, I think that, yeah, her gut check, I think, means something here, too, right? Yeah, and Linda's great, too, because she she passed uh, not too long ago. Um, she's been on the show before. We had a couple episodes with her, and she's really good oh, because wow. she she keeps that. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to come down and say this was definitely this or definitely that. Right. But she's right. really good at saying... Open, yeah. Yeah, she's good at like seeing all the other correlations. The the thing that she talked about too in the in the book was this the the reflective eyes because in a lot of these stories you hear people say their eyes were glowing red, not just reflected off car headlights or flashlights, yeah. but actually glowed. And she's like this detail really jumped out at me because there would have been no way this kid would have really known that, you know, at this time. And she goes, it made me wonder if they, if there's some, if their eyes are biologically designed to see very well in the dark, maybe have some type, you know, and then when you switch from night to daytime, the blinking and it takes a while for these creatures eyes to get adjusted to the daylight, right? That there yeah. might be some sort of, uh, I, I, she, I'm, I don't have the book right in front of me, but she was saying there could be some bioluminescent, like biological material i think that helps them see in the dark like beyond just a reflective predatory what's the what's that uh term that you guys use yeah beyond that there's something even beyond that that helps them see uh at night because they're supposed to be nocturnal creatures but um that's 
Yeah, it is an interesting. How, how mad is this guy that he that he coughed a couple times? Like that is so mean. Like, yeah. Oh shit! Don't make it. Oh god, it's coming. I mean, no no story without those coughs one though. You cough. know. Yeah. Two. Right. Yeah. The yeah, second one. Come, right come on, John. John. Yeah. Just the, just the rat. You can just see the movie. There's like one little piece of pollen that floats off the ragweed and go, yeah. you know, ragweed and goes down his nostril. And then the I mean, also, nineteen year old riding his bike to go watch the sunrise is like John. You were you were smoking weed. Come on, yeah, he was. Come on, buddy. Uh, it's 1967. Come on. I do have um, that Oz factor thing, you know. That's yeah. I, I like that that terminology too. You get that with yeah, so many different experiences, whether they're Bigfoot encounters or UFO encounters. Everything around them seems to just go silent, as if like the the environment or the reality in which we preside seems to be put on pause by something, you know. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very strange. But you hear it a lot. You do, yeah, yeah. I just like the fun details in the story, the blinking eyes. The ear shape, the matted fur, the color of the skin, the drinking from the river, the swishing the finger around. There's a Mm. lot of like really personal, I would say, behavior, a lot of personality in this creature. It wasn't just I stood up, he was this big and then he ran away. Like you really get the sense that he observed something happening. And and the orange glow on the other side that made me kind of wonder pain. Maybe that there was some sort of portal on the other side, not just the sunrise. You know, maybe these things were drifting in and out of some interdimensional space. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it all makes sense. It all makes sense, dude. <laughs> we Got solved there eventually. it. Payne, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us here on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Please let everyone know where they can find not only High Strange, but your other podcasts. Um, do you can go to uh, my podcast website, tenderfoot.tv, or just go to find me on social media at Payne Lindsay. Great. And you great. Awesome. Any other projects you want to plug while you're here? Um, honestly, just go check out High Strange. If you're right. into the UFO thing, then I think it'll be a, a fun ride. And it's, it's yeah. meant to be a fun ride. Yeah, it's definitely for this audience, for sure. Even the ones that uh, might be beyond skeptic at this point. I just love it because it is sort of like a real audio documentary. You know, it's sort of, you know, of of talking directly to the people. So it's it's very well, well done. So uh, I'm looking exactly. forward to listening to the rest of it. Um, all right. Thanks, Payne. That was fun, guys. Uh, have me on again. That was a blast. Nice. Right Thank you. You're always welcome. You're a club scout yeah. now. Yeah. Club yeah. scout. Yeah. Laminating <laughs> your card right now. There you go. Harry Boy Summer? What, what is it again? Big Harry Boy Summer. Harry Boy Summer. Harry Boy Summer. That's right. Oh, big Harry Summer. All right. Well, Payne has just left the virtual clubhouse, and uh, I realized that um, Biggie and Poe, the cats, have a little drinking fountain next to me and might have was going the whole time. I forgot to turn it off. So if you heard a little bit of a water <laughs> fountain throughout this whole episode, that was my fault, but the, the kitties need their water. I just unplugged it, so I apologize. <laughs> Wait, now I can't hear Riley. Riley, you're you're on mute. Oh, oh, I was on mute. I was just saying it's a you know it's like ambient atmosphere. It's nice. Yeah, 
You yeah, ASMR freaks might like this episode a little you bit freaks. More. <laughs> sick freaks. All right. Well, the rest of you sick freaks, don't forget to click that follow button on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss a single episode of Big Hairy Boys Summer. We want to hear from you. So rate and review while you're over there. If you drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the show like this one. This is from DJ Fergie 99 so many cryptids i love how many new cryptids and other paranormal phenomenon that this show has turned me on to i didn't even know i had some right in my backyard it was a crazy thing to hear an atomic bigfoot about a monster attack in my hometown of monroe michigan can't wait to see what other monsters get talked about during big hairy summer Five stars. Love that. Got a lot of messages too about how many of the locals think the Monroe Monster, aka the Atomic Bigfoot, is is a is a hoax as well. But uh, guys, keep the fun alive. Okay. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on TikTok at BCC Pod. And if you're all caught up on the show and you want more, you're in luck. There is more. Check out our Patreon, BCC The Other Side. You'll unlock three bonus episodes every month plus our entire backlog. Uh, You can upgrade to the Cosmic tier and unlock three additional BCC soundtracks every Mm -hmm. month by Riley. Uh, You'll also get access to the BCC Discord so you can meet and chat about various amounts of topics over there with fellow uh, Club Scouts. Uh, I know you'll, and we're doing Big Harry Summer stuff uh, over there as well, so you don't want to miss any of it. Good time. It's all over there at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. That brings us to our Patreon (laughs) shoutouts of the week these are club scouts that have recently crossed over to the other side and let's give them a thanks shall we the drift king what up drift king thank you dom toretto himself han han <laughs> we can is that only you? hope <laughs> cassie lyons <laughs> thank you adri dreams thanks adri tony ioni so close to tony iomi and thank you thomas diwer cosmeteer ah thank you thomas welcome nicole Thanks, Nicole. Enrique Rami, 78. Thank you. Zachary Whipple, Cosmeteer. Thank you, Zachary. Welcome. Nicole Chisholm. Thanks, Nicole. Nicholas Stewart. Thank you. And Poofums, Cosmeteer. Ah, Admiral Poofums, welcome to the ranks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Follow me on Instagram. I'm McMills over there. Yep, you know I'm on those socials. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson and on Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson. And I'm Peace Drone on Instagram. One last thanks to Payne Lindsay for joining us. We'll see you back here next Wednesday for an all-new episode of BCC. Until then, good night. I'll do the ASMR version and go get regressed. The tingles. (laughs) Wait, here's the cat toy. Oh, that's good. I wish you could just see Michael waving. <laughs> this is what it's coming to this. I'm crunching Bigfoot's hair. All right, good night. <laughs> oh, Bigfoot Collectors Club is executive produced by Michael McMillan, Riley Bray, and Bryce Johnson. Our show is engineered, produced, and scored by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters. Follow them on Spotify. Want more BCC? For exclusive full-length episodes every month, 
total access to the other side, check out patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.